All right, take your Bible this morning and turn with me uh, again to the book of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 28 this morning. And you will, you may not see it, uh, but it is the truth uh, nonetheless. Uh, but these two verses, uh, verse 28 and 29, uh, are very important verses uh, in the book. Uh, they are uh, what is known uh, as, uh, as a hinge paragraph. Uh, the book kind of swings uh, on these two verses. As uh, John writes these, uh, these verses move us into uh, his uh, closing paragraph. Uh, you know, sometimes when you write a letter, uh, you'll close that letter by saying something like, and in closing, so blah, blah, blah. Uh, John doesn't, uh, John doesn't do that. Uh, he doesn't say, uh, in closing or finally or, uh, anything like that. But that's really what happens here, uh, with these, uh, two verses. He's gonna, uh, close out. Uh, this uh, previous section uh, focusing on uh, abiding in the Lord. Uh, and if you go back and count, depending on what uh, translation you're using, uh, you'll find, and you may not catch this originally because uh, they're kind of spread out, uh, but you'll find that he uses the word abide uh, ten times in the second chapter. That's uh, that's pretty uh, significant to use a word that many times uh, in 29 verses. When you stop uh, and, and do the math, that's, uh, again, about once every three verses, the word uh, abide shows up. So it's obviously uh, important to John uh, that we abide uh, in, uh, in, in God. We abide, uh, in his power, in his presence, uh, and he's gonna move from that, uh, and begin in the next chapter, uh, really emphasizing the, the sonship of Jesus Christ, who, uh, he is, and the new word, uh, we're gonna be looking at is the word born. Uh, he begins to use the word born a lot in the last, uh, section. Uh, of this book. And so uh, as we uh, look at this um, and uh, close out this section, uh, we look at the final, uh, final um, verse, final test uh, that John gives us uh, for our faith, the final uh, measure, the final uh, sign uh, of a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And so, uh, as we, uh, see that, uh, he, he's gonna, uh, and, uh, you see this word, I, I said he didn't use the word finally, uh, but he does say, and now, little children. So he, uh, kind of does let you know he's about to, uh, change, uh, topics, change, uh, issues, and he says, uh, now little children abide in him. And so there's that, uh, that word again, uh, that John used. And so uh, we see it very simply. Uh, we see this uh, measuring stick. We see this uh, test that John uh, gives us uh, of are we abiding uh, 
uh, in Jesus Christ? Are we abiding uh, in Him? We need to talk about that a little bit because honestly, uh, abide is not a word we use very often uh, today. Uh, you very, you know, you, you, if you ask somebody how they're doing, uh, you're probably not going to hear them say, "Well, I'm abiding." Uh, you know, it's just not. Uh, it's just not a a, a real common uh, word in our language today. So exactly what uh, does John mean when he tells us uh, to abide uh, in Him? To be very honest, I, I, I think if we were to go around the room today and say, uh, are you abiding in Christ? Uh, most of us would probably say yes because it just sounds like something we ought to be doing. Uh, but if I would say, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, we, we, I don't know that we'd really, uh, again, be able to define uh, that term. And, and so let's talk about it for a moment. What exactly uh, does it mean to say we abide uh, in Christ? It simply means uh, that we dwell in Him, that we continue in Him, that we stay in Him, that we uh, that we rest in or on Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's uh, the general. Uh, idea of what it means to abide uh, in Christ. It simply means uh, to be set, uh, to be fixed uh, on remaining there. Uh, that I want to stay uh, in Jesus Christ. That I want to continue uh, on and on and on. The word, uh, again, has that uh, tense to it and that uh, that meaning to it. That uh, I'm abiding in Christ today and I will be abiding in Christ tomorrow. And I will be abiding in Christ the next day. It's much uh, like what I just said a moment ago about uh, the line in that song. Even when uh, my life is uh, drawing near, when uh, the end is uh, near, that I still want to be singing uh, about the 10,000 reasons I have uh, to praise the Lord, whether I am uh, on the mountaintop, or whether I am in the valley, whether uh, I am being blessed or whether I'm going through uh, a difficult time, whether I'm uh, healthy or whether I'm uh, sick and, uh, and, and, and hurting and suffering, whether uh, I, I'm rich or poor, uh, it it's kind of like uh, our wedding vows for richer, for poor, for uh, you know, health or sickness. Uh, in all those situations, I am going to trust, I am going to rely, or as John put it, I'm going to abide in Christ. That's the test uh, that John has put in front of us. And, uh, and as we think about that, uh, and I kind of... Uh, hate to do this, kind of hesitate a little bit, uh, but I, I think probably many of us uh, can uh, think uh, of, of, of someone uh, that we have known uh, that as life went along, uh, that as long as things were going well, as long as things were uh, going their way, as long as uh, they were healthy, as long as uh, you know the kids were behaving, as long as uh, the job kept going and they had a little money in the bank, they were all praise the Lord. You know, but the moment that things get a little rough and, and things go south on them, then they go in the other direction. That's what John is talking about. John says, no, no, if you are abiding in Christ, whether there's money in the bank or not, whether the job's going or not, uh, you, know, you are still putting your faith, your confidence, you are still dwelling 
in Christ. You are still resting in Him. That's uh, the real test. Uh, the real test is not so much what does, uh, what does it take to get you to follow Christ, but the real test is what does it take to get you to stop following Christ. The real test is what does it get to pull you away from your relationship with God. That's what the real challenge is, I think, uh, that John is talking about here. That we abide in Him no matter uh, our circumstances, uh, being at, uh, at home in Christ. I, I found a list, uh, and, and I would give all the credit in the world if I could remember who wrote the list. Uh, but I don't remember now where I read it and who wrote it. I can't even tell you what book I found it in. I can't tell you who wrote it. I remember this. The book I was reading it in, the author of the book didn't write it. He was quoting somebody else. And so if this is about a three-time removed uh, illustration. But they gave uh, a list of some things that, uh, that abiding uh, in Christ uh, means. And one of them we've kind of talked about already. And that is to continue and to stay in Christ. Again, that no matter what the circumstance, that we continue to praise Him, we continue to worship Him, we continue to serve Him, we continue to follow Him, we continue to obey His uh, principles and precepts, we continue uh, to be a servant uh, of Jesus Christ, to rest upon Christ. What does it mean to rest upon Christ? That uh, when no matter where we find ourselves in life, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, our rock is Jesus. Where we turn to for comfort, where we turn to for counsel, where we turn to for consolation is Jesus Christ. That's what it means to abide in Christ, to rest uh, in Christ. He goes on uh, on that list and it say, he says to be set or to be fixed on Christ and to remain in him. You know, again, that, that, that last line of that, that statement he makes is what's so important. To be set on Christ and to remain in Him. You know, let's, let's just be brutally honest this morning. There are many people this morning in churches all over town who are set in Christ this morning during church. They're in church, they're waving their hand, they're shouting amen. You know, they're, they're having a big time in church. But will they remain in Him tomorrow at work? Will they remain in Him? Will they continue to praise Him? Will they continue to serve Him tomorrow? And so that's what it means when He says to abide in Christ. I've already said this. He says on that list to continue on and on in Christ. Again, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation. He calls it, uh, another way he describes it is finding our permanent home in Jesus Christ. I think that might be one of my favorites. To find my permanent home in Jesus Christ. I, I, I think I've told you all before about answering the phone one day. And that's always a mistake. Uh, I answered the phone and, and, and the lady says, will you take a survey? And in a moment of weakness, I said, yes. I don't know why. But the first question she asked me was, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I said, right here. She says, no, really, anywhere in the world, name it, Hawaii, wherever. I said, right here. She kept, she crowded, I said, listen, lady, write down right here and ask me the next question. Yeah, right here. 
This is home. This is where I want to be. I don't have any greater aspirations. I don't want, you know, right here. I tell people, there are, some of you may not believe this, but if you come in my house, in particular, in Tinsley's room, if you go in Tinsley's room, you're going to see a light switch on the wall, and you're going to say, that's a weird place for a light switch. And it is. What you don't know is behind in that wall, there is a door framed in that I had put in that wall so if I can ever get them all gone, I can tear that out and put a door there and change the floor plan of my house. That way they can't come back. You know, that's, you know, I said, it's home. You know, it's where, you know, I want to build a two-story house. And I said, no, and I thank God for this. Uh, I, you learn to listen to your wife after a while. You know, I want to build a two-story house. She says, no, you want a one-story house because when you get old, you don't want to have to go up and down stairs. I don't think of myself as being too old yet, and I already don't want to go up and down stairs. Yeah, we already got two. We I think we got three going in our back door. And how many steps that is? That's three too many. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, listen, I'm home. Are we home? You know what home is? Home's a place where you're comfortable. Home's a place where you're safe. Think about home for a moment. Are we home in Jesus Christ? That's what John says. That we are abiding uh, in Him. That we are abiding uh, in, in what Christ has done for us. Uh, again, the, the, the basic idea of, of abiding is dwelling. Of living. It, it, again, it's just like dwelling in a home. Um, it, it, it's living how Christ has showed us to live. It's living like Christ. He lived a righteous life, a life that was right towards God, a right that was life towards the principles of God's Word. That is what it means to dwell in Christ, to be like Christ, to, to, to dwell, to move about, to live in a righteous life. Not just in certain occasions. I live... In my home, all the time. Now I know some of y'all, y'all done got money, got fancy, you got a beach home or a mountain home, all that kind of stuff. I got a home. It's it's home. Yeah, that's the only home I got. It's where I live. Rainy days, sunny days, good days, bad days. It's where I live. That's home. That's the way I walk with Jesus Christ. Is supposed to be. That's what John says. It's where we live. We live in our walk with Jesus. We live in our walk with Jesus. And again, I I, I really I hate to do this, but I, but but I think some of us or all of us probably can identify with the opposite of that. We have probably worked with or had someone in our family or known someone, again, who walked with Jesus sometimes. I, again, I hate to do that, but, but that's just reality. We know someone, or if the truth is to be told, sometimes it's us, that we walk with God, we walk with Christ sometimes. Until other things happen, different things happen, and then we don't. 
Sometimes our relationship with Jesus Christ is a lot like a child as Christmas approaches. You know what I'm talking about, right? As Christmas approaches, children tend to act a little better. Y'all notice that or is it just mine? Yeah, Sherry's smiling, so it must be her too as well. Yeah, as Christmas approaches, they tend to clean up their dying smiles. Uh, Anthony and Marla must have been the same way. Yeah, I, I see a couple couple moms smiling, a couple of daddies are sitting there going, I don't know, I don't remember. I don't pay any attention anyway. Yeah, but you know, a couple of moms, I see it on your face. You know what I'm talking about. You know, as Christmas gets closer, you know, they start cleaning up their room. You know, they start, can I help you, mama? You want me to trash? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Tell me it ain't just mine. Somebody do this and let me know it's not just mine. Yeah. They, 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 you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Now, like the day after Christmas, they turn back into little monsters again. Yeah. But leading up to Christmas. Listen, that's the way a lot of people's relationship with Christ is. That's not abiding in Christ, folks. That's not dwelling in Christ. John says, we measure our testimony, we can test our testimony by do we abide in Christ? What kind of life do we live day in, day out? You know, if, if our Christian walk was a math problem, how many of you remember how to do an average? Occasionally I take you to English class, I want to take you to math class. You remember how to do an average you know, she, Suzanne taught school. She better remember. Uh, you got to do an average. You take a string of numbers, and you, add, you got ten numbers. You add them up, and you divide the total by ten, right? You might have a hundred in there. You might have a fifty in there. You know, you might have you know whatever. And so you, you divide it up, and you get an average. You know, what would happen if our spiritual life was an average? What if we took every day this week and we assigned a number to where our walk with God was going? Let's say on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being poor, 10 being, man, we're right in there with Jesus. If you were to take and assign a number to your Christian walk all week long, and you were to average it out, what would that number be? Four, five, six, seven, eight, two, negative three. You know, what would it be? That's what, I, I'm just trying different ways to illustrate to you this morning what it means to dwell in Jesus Christ. It's not your high point. It's not when you're on your best behavior. It's not... When you are at your worst, it is where your life, how, what is the pattern of your life? What is the, 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 the pattern? How does your life run day in and day out? Again, I don't live in a different home different days of the week. I have one home. So what is it? How are you dwelling with Christ across the board? What is, what would that number be? John says that's the measurement that we're looking like. He, he, he very simply, when you are dwelling with Christ, you do the kinds of things that Christ would do. 
that you live like Christ would live. You walk and you fellowship with Christ. You one of, one of the things that abiding in Christ does is it confesses Jesus Christ. You know, if you come over at my house and you start monkeying around in my garage or something, I'm going to come out and say, hey, what are you doing? This is my house. Well, do we get out in this world and when people start telling jokes or ridiculing the gospel or ridiculing the church, do we step up and say, oh, oh, oh. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. What happens when you dwell somewhere? If I go over at Kenny's house and I get out the paintbrush and I start painting in front of his house, now if he likes the color, he might say, go ahead, you want me to get you some water? But let's say you know, I pick some crazy color and start, he's going to go, hey, what are you doing? This is my house. But it's you, you, you speak up, right, about your home. You, know, you speak. When, when you are dwelling with Christ, other people are going to know you dwell with Christ. They're going to see it in how you act and how you live. You learn more. You have a desire to learn more about God. You know, I have learned where the kidney punchers are for the most part, in my yard. When I mow, I know where to slow down. Because if you don't, you'll get through off the lawnmower. I've learned it. I've learned certain things about our home. You know, I know which breaker, for the most part, controls what. When something happens to trip, I pretty much know which. If I need to work on something, I pretty much know which breaker to cut off. I've learned those things. When you dwell somewhere, you know, you know, Anybody in here got something in your house that, you know, you got a door that won't close right or, you know, the stove, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to get that part of the stove to work, you got to stand on one foot and, you know, you, know, you got to do something, you know, something odd to make that work. You know, oh, that door won't lock unless you pick up on it and push it with your shoulder. You know, hey, anybody got anything like that? Just me again? Yeah. I, I, I got a, a back door. You kind of have to. There's a trick to get it to deadbolt to go in just right. If you don't, it won't lock. There's a trick to it. You gotta know how to do it. Anybody, nobody else got that at y'all's house? I must be living in a fantasy world. Y'all's kids are perfect. Your house is perfect. Yeah, I'm coming to stay with you. Yeah. Some of you old enough to remember, if you wanted to watch Channel 8 or 12 around here, somebody had to put aluminum foil on their head and stand everybody in the like this. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now I'm getting Clark's over there nodding his head. Now he knows what I'm talking about. Listen, we learn about our home. We learn. When we dwell in Christ, we're wanting to learn about Christ. We're wanting to learn about his ways and his teachings. It means, again, that we confess. It means that we study his word. It means that we learn about what he says, that we that we do those things. That's what it means to abide in Christ. Now, I, I could go on all day. There's all kinds of examples. But I'm hoping by now you're seeing the examination. What it is that John is talking about. 
Are we abiding? Are we dwelling in Jesus Christ? Then he gives us the second thing that he talks about in the end of that verse is then the exhortation. Look what he says in, at the end of verse 28. Now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Why do we dwell in Christ? Because, John says, he's coming back. And you don't want to be caught unprepared. You don't want to be found unprepared, unready. I think about my mathematical example. Some days when it comes to dwelling in Christ, we might put down a nine. Some days if we were honest, we'd put down a two. John says... You don't want to be having one of them two days or one days or three days when Jesus comes back. You with me? Does that make sense? John says you want to abide in Christ because you want to be ready for his return. You want to be prepared for his return. That you can have confidence, he says, that we may have confidence is what he says in that passage. That when he comes back, we can say, glad to see you. Instead of, uh-oh. Let's again go back to that home illustration. You ever had anybody ring your doorbell? And you had to run throw some stuff in the shower and pull the curtain? I heard some giggles, so I know I'm not the only one. Thank goodness. Finally. You ever had somebody ring your doorbell? You had to run kitchen stuff under the bed? Right? You know what I'm talking about? You ever look out your window and say, Oh Lord, there's mama, there's your mama, or, you know, something like that. There's the neighbors. Put that up. Change that channel. Well, it might be getting too close to home there. Yeah. John says we live our life dwelling in Christ, abiding in Christ, because one day, we don't know what day, we don't know when, but one day he's going to come knocking on the door. And you don't want to have to run and throw a bunch of stuff in the shower. He says that we can have confidence when he returns. There's a couple of things that passage tells us very clearly that we need to know. One of them is Jesus is coming again. Very simply, he says we shall have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. He doesn't say we'll have confidence and not be ashamed if he comes. He says when he comes, at his coming. Folks, what in, the, what, what in the whole purpose of the message this morning? But I want to tell you something. Jesus is coming. It may be today. It may be tonight. It may be tomorrow. It may be next week. But whenever it is, you want to be ready. Because he is coming. John said, makes that very clear in that statement. 
He's going to come again. No question. And then the second thing is, believers, because He's coming, we want to be ready. Again, we don't want to have to run throw stuff in the shower. You know, when Jesus comes again, when Jesus splits those eastern skies, we're not going to be able to say, wait a minute, Jesus, i got a couple things I need to get done. Doesn't work that way. The word ashamed that he uses there means to shrink back, to sense guilt, to be embarrassed. If we're not abiding in Christ, he says we'll be embarrassed when Jesus comes. Some will shrink back. John says live your life so that when Jesus comes back, you can rejoice in that coming. You can rejoice in that return. I think about you know, what he says in his word in the book of uh, Matthew when he says there's laid up for us uh, a crown of righteousness uh, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give. And he says that, uh, that uh, to all them that love his appearing. And my favorite illustration for that verse is this. What does it mean to love his appearing? What, what's What's he talking about? Well, little boy, his mama was baking a cake. She got the cake all done and all iced and all ready, but she realized she needed to run to the store. And she tells the little boy, he says, now I got to run to the store for a minute. Don't you touch that cake. You know what happens when you tell a little boy don't touch a cake? You might as well just hand it to him. Mama leaves, little boy, looking at that cake. And that cake, you know what that cake was doing. whole time that cake sat there and said, touch me. I sure am good. Well, you know what happened. Little boy reaches up to my big finger full of ice. Big old streak down the side of it where his finger went. About that time, his mama drives up in the driveway. What happens to little boy? Little boy still loves his mama. He sure doesn't love her coming. Right? He still loves her. But he sure wishes she'd have stayed at the store a little longer. That's the way some people are going to be when Jesus comes. Well, you love Jesus. But you're not dwelling, you're not abiding in him. John says we're going to be ashamed. We're not going to have confidence when he returns. Then we have the expectation. Look in the final verse, verse 29. Notice that big word that begins this verse. If, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. That sounds a little bit, a little bit different, a little tongue-tied there. Let's see if we can unwrap it. What does John say? John says that the proof that we are continuing to abide in Christ is that we live a righteous life. It is the ultimate proof that a person knows God. That we're living a righteous life. We can always tell about our relationship with God by 
couple of things, by the fruit and by the treasure of life. By the fruit. We know that to be biblical. The Bible says you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. You can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. I've told you before, I am in no way, shape, nor form a botanist. I can't identify plants, trees. I, I, I know what a dandelion looks like. That's them yellow things that fill up my yard every spring. I know what a, I know what clover is. That's the other thing that fills up my yard when the dandelions go away. I know what a rose is. That might be about it for flowers. I know what a water oak tree looks like. I know what a dogwood tree looks like, but only when it's got blooms. That's about it. Take me out in the garden. I remember going out in the garden with my daddy or my, my grandparents, and they'd walk through and say, well, there's the oak tree, there's this, there's that. They, you know, they just sticking a little thing, you know, they, they knew what it was. You know how I know when it's open? When it gets about this tall and it's got okra hanging on it. You know how I know it's green beans? When it gets about this tall and it's got green beans hanging on it. You know how I know it's an apple tree? When it gets about yay tall and it's got apples hanging on it. That's how I know what it is. I'm tickled some of y'all are smarter than me. But I don't figure it really matters till it's got okra hanging on it or apples hanging on it. We'll know by the fruit it bears. Second way we know, he says, no, it's not only by the fruit we bear, but by our treasure. What is it we value? Somebody has said this. I don't know who to give acknowledgement to. He said, you give me a man's checkbook and his date book. Where he spends his money and where he spends his time. And I'll tell you about everything you need to know about that man. What do we, what fruit do we bear? What do we treasure? He says, we look in this verse he says, if we know that he is righteous, then everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. How many of you know that Jesus Christ was righteous? You with me? Okay. You know Jesus Christ was righteous. He says, so if we know he was righteous, then anybody who does righteousness belongs to him. He says there ought to be a little family resemblance. There ought to be a little bit of family resemblance. You ought to be able to tell who they belong to. I try my best to tell people Caleb don't belong to me. But it don't work. If you ever met Tommy Cooper's daddy, guess what? 
you know he was Tommy Cooper's dad. If you ever met Diane, mom, I don't know how it works that way, but Tommy's the spitting image of his daddy, and Diane looks like her mom. I don't know how that works. Thank God it ain't the other way around. Ed said, praise the Lord, it ain't the other way around. <laughs> there ought to be a little family resemblance, John says. If we are dwelling in Him, He says, we will look like Him. We will act like Him. There's one reason why a person who dwells in Jesus Christ lives a righteous life. Because Christ was righteous. Because Christ was righteous. When Dwight Eisenhower was president, he was vacationing in Denver. And there was a little six-year-old boy that lived in Denver who had cancer. And he had written and had a desire he wanted to meet President Eisenhower. Well, one Sunday morning, the presidential party, limousine, whatever, pulled up in front of the little boy's house. Knocked on the door. His father comes to the door. He had on a pair of jeans, old t-shirt, old dirty t-shirt, and hadn't shaved since Friday. When he saw the president standing on the front porch, he was, as most of us would be, speechless. After the president left, the father said, what a way to meet the president. If I'd have known he was coming, I'd have changed clothes and I'd have shaved. We'd have cleaned up a little bit around here if I'd have just known it was coming. John says, he's coming. He's coming. Jesus Christ. I'm more sure that Jesus Christ is coming again than I'm sure that I'm standing here. I'm that sure. That Jesus Christ is coming again. And because of that. John says. We need to be dwelling. We need to be abiding. In him. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Turn to that math problem one more time. If today you were to assign a number to your spirituality for the last week, the last month, and you were to average it out, what would that number be? Would it be a number? That you were satisfied with? Would it be a number that indicated you were dwelling in Christ? Let me illustrate that number a little bit more. 
if your spouse was to take that same mathematical test and score and average how faithful they had been to you this week. And they scored the same thing that you scored when it comes to your faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Would that be satisfactory? If your spouse scored anything less than a 10 when it comes to their faithfulness to you, would that be satisfactory? If your spouse came to you and said, I've averaged up my faithfulness to you on a scale of 1 to 10, and for the last week, I've got a 7. You'd want some explanation, wouldn't you? You'd want some answers. But you know, I believe that most of us, if we've done that same test when it comes to our faithfulness to God, if we got a seven on it, we'd say, whew, that's been a good week. Shouldn't we be at least as faithful to God as we would want our spouse to be to us? Are we abiding in Christ? Are we dwelling in Christ? What is our fruit? What is our treasure? This morning when you come and kneel and say, Lord, I want everybody that meets me, everybody that knows me, everybody that sees me, to know that I am dwelling in Christ. That I am abiding in Him. Just as I expect my spouse to be faithful, I want to be that faithful to you. You're here today and you don't know Christ. You're joining us online. You don't have a relationship with Him. I want you to know Jesus Christ is coming again. You need to be ready to meet Him. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, I want you to come. If you're online, contact me, email, phone call, something. Let me know. I want to talk to you about how you can know Jesus. If you're in this room, come. Let me share with you how you can know Christ. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. For the challenge to abide in you. To dwell in you. God, most of us would not accept in our marriage or in any other relationship the same sense of devotion that we have in you. God, teach us to abide in you. Teach us to dwell in you. God, that there can be no doubt and that we'll have confidence and we'll be ready to meet your son in the sky. God, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, God, touch their heart, stir their heart, convict them. They will know that today is the day of salvation. 
God, they come and ask you into their heart. God, fill this altar this morning with believers who want to be ready to meet you by abiding in you. And we give you the praise for what you do here today, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we sing.